The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. Big Monday. Thought we were going to spend the majority of the day talking only about the college football playoff selections with Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama in that controversial fourth spot. But with Will Kane today, we got breaking news right before the show started, and that is Ben McAdoo out as head coach of the Giants, Jerry Reese out as general manager, and we're left to try to figure out, is this really a front office and head coach acting alone, separate of ownership, and now they're trying to repair it? Or get rid of, like, I don't know, man. This thing's all over the place. So Michael Kay is going to join us for our New York City ESPN affiliate. Uh, just coming up here a little bit, Booger McFarlane, all that stuff. But, Will, I think because I opened the show on this rant of me getting the point where I'm sorry. Like, even college football voices I like a lot, respect guys that I think do a great job. But those that call out the entire selection process is this grand conspiracy based on politics and ESPN being complicit and all these things. Like, I've had it. I've just had it. Because I think you guys are actually the most biased. The people screaming the loudest, in fact, become the most biased. And that's why I look at Bama, I look at Ohio State, I know what the Buckeyes' argument will be. I just think Bama was better, and so did the committee. Problem solved. Do you know what's weird? We spent the entire season hearing from everybody who's a college football expert, diligently explaining to us that it is an analysis of who, analysis of who the best teams are, not who the most deserving are, all season long. It's not and always the same wh- thing. What's right. that? I said it's not always the same thing. Best not always the same thing. Or not. And so everyone seemed to understand that. And then on Sunday morning, we all find out that they find and select the four best teams, and we're having an argument about who's the most deserving. Yeah, that's that's what they told you. And, you know, if you'd gone through the college football playoff rankings from when they started, and I did it again last night, in the first one, Ohio State was sixth. Then they were 13th. And then I think they were ninth back-to-back weeks. They were. And then, you know, they creep up to number eight. And you go, okay, well, our two losses is not going to matter. We're going to have a conference championship. Boom, we're in. Did you argue that for Penn State last year as the two-loss conference champ? No way in hell. Triple eight, say ESPN. If you're a Buckeyes fan, I would like to hear from you. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a fight here, but triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Do you think it's a conspiracy? Do you think our – because the other thing that you go – Oh, brand, TV, ESPN, SEC, here we go again. Do you think we wouldn't want Ohio State in the Final Four for TV ratings? You don't think we'd like to actually have it balanced out a little bit more geographically? Are you hyped for Alabama Clemson 3? Yeah, because I was lucky enough to be on the sideline for the first two. Those are two of the best games I've ever seen. I think one thing we've learned when it comes to ratings is a third installment is good. We've had that with Golden State and Cleveland. There is fatigue. You pointed out earlier. People have fatigue seeing the same teams over and over. But that's got to be offset against brand recognition, r- rivalry. That that stuff is what drives ratings. You want the Cowboys. You want the Patriots. You want the Yankees. You want the Lakers. You want the Celtics. You want Alabama. And you want repeats. You want Alabama-Clemson again. That does add up to ratings. I get your point about Ohio Ohio State. You want geographic diversity, and Ohio State's a big draw on their own. But but I think when it comes to selling this game, Alabama-Clemson is the headliner. I can't wait for Georgia-Oklahoma. I don't know why Oklahoma wasn't more in the conversation to be the number one overall team in this thing. Maybe it's their defensive metrics and, and the committee citing those a few times. I guess, like, whenever I think about a committee and I think about how we work as people, 
We don't agree on anything. There's what, 350 plus million of us living in this country? We don't agree on anything. Thank God. Sometimes it'd be a little more convenient, but... I mean, we're talking about the four best college football teams, so of course there's going to be disagreement. Maybe the committee's going to see it differently than you will, member of the media. But why is that so weird? I mean, I have buddies, Margot Robbie comes up, and one of them says, eh, she's a little thin. And you go, <laughs> you know? You got a buddy, like, oh, you vacation much? Ah, the Caribbean, it just it gets so muggy sometimes. And you just go, <laughs> you know? This is, the, the committee is a reflection of us as people. So to act as if, there's these secret meetings. Now, once again, Cowherd was responsibly, uh, responsible for single-handedly bringing college football to ESPN. I've read about it numerous times, and I'm being facetious. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'm not important enough here at ESPN. I'm not in those meetings, man. I'm not getting the printouts to say, hype up this team, hype up this team, trash this one. <laughs> I'm not in those meetings yet. Maybe you're 13. I get those memos that say, Will, you take the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to Jonathan. Jonathan, you're a Buckeyes fan, correct? Yeah. Okay. How upset are you today? I'm good. We're going to start. It's it's pretty bad. You can't you can't compare this year to last year. Why? Alabama doesn't have the Alabama doesn't have the win Ohio State had last year. Absolutely none of them. Mississippi (laughs) State, LSU, who lost to Troy, Fresno State. That's not Michigan and. Oklahoma last year. That's why Ohio State got it last year. Okay, John. Nothing, has, go ahead. No, all right. So you're upset. Right, let me let me ask you this then. Do you think strength of schedule and conference championship should be the deciding factors for the playoff? Yeah. So then that means you yeah. want USC. Main, main, mainly, mainly. I mean, I would have been more okay with that than Alabama. Yeah, I really would have. So are you calling that? Would, that, that, would, that would that would have made more. That would have made more sense to me. That would have been more consistent than what they've done over the past few years. So your sense of logic is offended, not your fandom of Ohio State. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, that's just like Kirk getting all getting off the set. It makes no sense. There's no. There's no reason. That's why he got. Yeah, he thought the Alabama might have been a better team, but it makes no sense. There's nothing that you did that that they did that makes them in. Do you think Ohio State opinion. would beat? Do you think Ohio State would beat Alabama on a neutral field right now? The way I, the way the past few weeks have gone, absolutely. So Vegas has got it wrong. So the co- Vegas has got it wrong too, though. They're a one point favorite over Ohio State on a neutral field. One point. The committee and the committee in Vegas. It's, it's a one point favorite. It's not like it's a touchdown. It's one point. What's Correct? been so great about you guys the last few weeks? Um, well, it's being number just being number four team in the country, won the Big Ten. Um, beat Michigan in a big rival rival game. <laughs> beat the crap out of Michigan State a few weeks ago. I, I completely understand. I was also pathetic. I'm not. I'm not going to argue with that. That was atrocious. But I mean, it's just. I, I saw Alabama this year more like the Ohio State team was the second year of the playoff. They didn't get in because if you're going to tell me that team wasn't the top four team in the country, you're you're crazy. All right. That was the re- returning champ of. You return everybody from a. Now it's a championship team that year. All right, all right, we got it, Jonathan. Um, that's kind of my point with some Ohio State fans is that, and I understand Jonathan's point on this, but if you're arguing strength of schedule and conference championships really matter, then what you're actually doing is arguing for USC to be the fourth team and not you or Alabama. Because USC has the conference championship, they have the two losses, they have a much better strength of schedule. 
and the strength of schedule gap between Bama and Ohio State really isn't that great. If Ohio State had beat Oklahoma at the beginning of the season, would Ohio State win the debate with Alabama? Yeah. They would survive the loss to Iowa yeah. had they beat Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I, I do think they would. If Alabama had lost to Georgia in the SEC title game and not Auburn the week before, would Alabama have won this debate with Ohio State? So lose the SEC title game and only losses to Georgia. Ohio State still has two losses. Mm -hmm. So Alabama has the same resume, one loss, but it came to Georgia in the title game, not Auburn the week before. Uh, They'd have a stronger case to be in based on what the committee did. I don't think this is that complicated. The committee went, we want to put in the four best teams. You really think they'd get in off fresh off a loss? You think losing the SEC championship game, they'd get in? I think what happened Sunday was great. Yeah, I know. I'm just changing what happened, though. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> Here's you saying in the moment. I, I don't know. I watch all these games. I watch as many games as anyone in the country. I will argue that to the death. I will agree that you do. You do. Ohio State wasn't that good this year, man. And every anti-Bama argument is actually another version of the anti-Wisconsin argument, but you want credit for the Wisconsin win. My, at one point, I would take Alabama every day over Ohio State right now. During the hectic holidays, skip the mall and visit 1-800-Flowers.com right now. Order from 1-800-Flowers because they're offering a special deal here. 24 for 24 offer. 24 holiday lights roses for just $24. To order now, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. we got Booger McFarland and Giants owner John Mara on the McAdoo and Reese firing we're going to get back to Eli here, The Rosillo Show, Will Kane, ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Geico presents, oh boy, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, I got some bad news. Someone broke into our apartment and they took your TV and your computer. But what's most upsetting is they took my water bottle. Oh wait, there it is. I was really worried for a second. Oh, they took your stereo too. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate is only worried about her $2 aluminum water bottle. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. What would Bama actually be favored over Ohio State neutral site? Because now we think that maybe we were citing, uh, not us, but our, our guy Jonathan who called in, Buckeyes fan, who, you know, wasn't, look, he's going to rep his squad, and that's what happened. That's what happened with some of these guys coming out. Like Nick Saban was being made fun of for going on with Van Pelt um, Saturday night, and you go, what do you think he was going to do? No, I'm not interested. Like, we, if we can get Nick Saban on a TV show the night before the selection committee, we're going to put it on, and he's going to come on. Same reason why I was on game day. Like, right. Don't forget about us. So it's actually tactically smart. 
Will Kane, The Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Before we get to Booger McFarlane on the Shell Penzo performance line, John Mara, CEO, Giants owner, whole deal, doing a presser right now. Michael Kay is joining us later from 98.7 ESPN. But Mara first says we got a new coach and a new philosophy. I met with uh, Steve Spagnuolo after um, uh, these meetings, asked him to serve as the uh, interim head coach and also to be a candidate uh, to be the head coach after the season if he chooses to do so. Uh, he agreed to do that. Uh, I then met with all the assistant coaches and told them that my expectation is for them to continue to work hard and to get these players ready to play these last four games. I told them that I would not put up with any talk in this building about tanking or anything else, that I expected us to go out and try to win these games, and I expected their best to, efforts to try to get us to do that. Wow, that tanking thing really sets him off. Um, so, look, we got more on that. That's a big part of the show, like you said, Michael K. a little bit later this hour. Joining us now, let's talk some college ball. Booger McFarland. Booger, I thought you were great. I mean, really great yesterday on the show, the selection stuff. So can you tell us when you knew? Did you not know until the graphic came up? Because everybody accuses you guys of knowing or Reese maybe telling you in a commercial break. We had no idea until the graphic came up. As a matter of fact, when the show started, we didn't know. We didn't get the, the, the results until probably about five or six minutes before we actually revealed them or long enough for the graphics guys behind the scenes to build the graphics. So when we came on air at 12, ESP and did not have the results. So everyone thinks that we had them and, you know, we just kind of sat on, no, we, as soon as we get them and can build some graphics, we start spitting them out. So wait, it, wait, wait do you, so Booger, you don't know it until the graphic is revealed on the show or you're told before it goes up? No, we don't know until it pops up. So we're like, we're sitting there and, and, and this is the crazy thing because last year, I wasn't on the show, so I was like, okay, man, maybe, they, maybe they're just kind of letting us on. So I'm sitting there at like 11.30. I'm like, hey, do we have it? They're like, nope. And so the show starts at 12, and Reese is like, uh, guys, we still don't have it, so we, we're probably going to get it about 12.15, 12.30. And literally in our ear, the guy says, we got them. We're building their graphics. And five minutes later, you know, Reese is kind of, you know, killing time. We're talking, and Reese says, all right, y'all ready? Let's do it. He starts with number one. That's when we know they're ready to go. As soon as the guy in our ear says the graphics are ready. And Reese doesn't know. Reese has no idea. <laughs> Zero idea. Okay, so as you guys discussed it, you know, it really came down to the Ohio State-Alabama deal. I know you were more on the Bama side. Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I guess, why do people think this is so complicated? Why did they think a two-loss Ohio State was getting in with the loss that they had to Iowa? Because to me, Ryan, I think you have a, a section of the country who wants to put conference champs in, and I think there's a section of the country that has a little bit of Alabama fatigue, and they're allowing uh, a two-loss team that won the Big Ten just because they won the conference uh, to kind of skate by a little bit. And for me, it was never complicated. As a matter of fact, uh, if you go back to the Tuesday before the Iron Bowl, I made a statement on the Tuesday night show before the Iron Bowl I say, guys, as crazy as it sounds, I think Alabama's in already. Everybody's like, oh, are you kidding me? But no, Alabama's 11-0, and regardless of what happens in the Iron Bowl, I think they're in, especially especially if Ohio State wins. Because I knew it was going to come down to Ohio State and Alabama, and in my mind, a one-loss Alabama team or a one-loss SEC team, whatever it is, okay, if, if, you, if you've got the one loss right there and your resume is – pretty decent, okay, and you've been the number one, number two, number three team all season. Like, take the name Alabama out. Just just put the criteria that Alabama has for another team. 
that team that had that type resume and that type game control and that type control over uh, college football for the last year, you put them up against a two-loss team from the Big Ten, and even though they won the Big Ten championship, but you lost by 15 at home in Oklahoma. You lose by 31 to Iowa in Kinnick Stadium, and everybody's saying, well, so this is what everybody wants to do now. Maybe Ohio State should schedule Mercer. No, what Ohio State should do is do what Alabama did to Florida State, which is beat your non-conference Power 5 team, uh, Florida State. Ohio State lost to Oklahoma. So it's amazing how it goes. To me, Ryan, it was never this complicated. And I felt like we could see it coming by a mile, Booger. I mean, that's the thing. All season long, we talk to you every week. We talk to, I don't know, Ryan, how many different, Bruce Feldman. Everybody. Man. Everybody. And all season long, is well, they're going to they're gonna look for the best team. I mean, you guys can talk about most deserving. We can analyze resumes. But we talk to Kirby Hocutt, by the way. We talk to Kirby Hocutt every week. They're going to pick the best team. But somewhere between Saturday night and Sunday morning, everyone convinced themselves, no, no, no. What they're really going to do is they're going to reexamine the entire resume and give it to the best, the most deserving team, the team with the best wins. I don't understand the complete change in mindset from the end of the Big Ten Championship game to the reveal on Sunday morning? I think you go back a couple years ago, Will, when you look at Ohio State made that huge statement against Wisconsin, 59 to nothing, Cardell Jones, 12 gauge, and that whole thing was born. Everybody like, yep, it's going to be the same thing again. And it wasn't. And and, and I think that when you watch it, and I thought Kirk said it best, when he watched Ohio State play Wisconsin, he said he had to ask himself a question. Are they one of the four best teams in the country? And he said he just couldn't uh, bring himself to say that. And I think a lot of people, when you watch the, the, the tape throughout the season and you watch Alabama play, yeah, they've been up and they've been down and they've been, you know, the linebackers have been hurt, but they only got one loss. And that one loss is to the number seven team in the country on the road in a rival game. You can't say the same for Ohio State. And Nick Saban said it best Saturday night on SVP. All conferences aren't built the same. And you can say, yeah, but Ohio State beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin played on the side of the Big Ten. Let's be honest, okay? How many other teams around the country could have taken Wisconsin's schedule and go undefeated? I mean, I think I could probably name 10 teams. Listen against Wisconsin, I think they're a good football team. I don't think they're great, though. And so I don't think the bump that a lot of people expect Ohio State to get by beating Wisconsin was enough. But, yeah, I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of different things at play. But in the end, I think the committee – uh, was given a charge to get the four best teams, not the four best conference champions, not the four best teams with the best resumes, but the four best teams. And in my mind, people across America have tried to make this process like the BCS. Everyone brings up top 25 wins, top 40 wins against the FPI, conference champions. The committee just really wants the four best teams. We don't want the BCS. We want 13 people to put their mind together and say, you know what? Do we think this team is better, or do we think that team is better? And in the end, they said Alabama was better than Ohio State. If Ohio State lost to Oklahoma as they did, but beat Iowa, win Saturday night, who would you want to put in as the fourth team? I think in that scenario, I I think Ohio State goes in. Because I think Ohio State has the big non-conference win against Oklahoma. They have the conference championship. And then, Ryan, guess what? The two teams are equal. Because then... Uh, Ohio State would have that one loss, and they would be a conference champion. So now I can compare Ohio State to Alabama, and with the criteria that the committee has told us, which is when we get teams that are comparable, we go to these differentiating factors, which are common opponents, head-to-head, conference championships, ding, ding, ding. 
how Ohio State gets denied. But in the end, I just can't erase 31 points in Kinnick Stadium out of my mind. And everybody says, well, what about the Auburn game? I'm counting it. Alabama has one loss. Ohio State has two. So I can't just start erasing losses just because you won a conference conference championship. When I once again say all conferences aren't created equal. Great stuff on Sunday, Booger. Thanks for your help this season. Thanks, Booger. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, guys. Booger McFarland, Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil Synthetics taking synthetic motor oil performance to a whole new level. Make the switch to Pennzoil Synthetics today. Coming up, we got Michael Kay from ESPN New York, 98.7 on John Mara's whole decision to get rid of his coach, front office, and Eli back as a starter because there's conflicting reports on that. So we get the New York City perspective next right here at Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Nobody's gonna stop me. No, nothing is beyond me. I'm coming at you faster. No stopping what now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'm going to blow it up now. Hey. I'm going to fight it in motion. Hey. Like the ocean. Hey. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at kronos.com slash HR swagger. News out of the New York Giants. This thing's been a saga for a week plus now. Eli Manning benched, now benched, and could be getting his job back. And that's because McAdoo's out, Jerry Reese, the GM, out, and Bob Mara, excuse me, John Mara has uh, been speaking to the media today. Uh, Michael K is going to join us here very shortly, like right now. But first, here is John Mara, Giants president, CEO, uh, talking about the Eli part of this because there was a report that Eli would be back as a starter, and that's not necessarily the case yet. I've spoken to Steve, and he's still trying to uh, come to grips with this whole thing. He wants to talk to his offensive staff, and then he's going to talk to Kevin and myself. Ultimately, it's going to be his decision as to who to play at quarterback. Joining us now on the Shell Penzo point, uh, performance line from ESPN New York 98.7. Every day you hear him 3 to 7 Eastern. It's Michael K. the Michael K. Show. Uh, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Can you help us understand what the hell is going on here? Because we've thrown out a bunch of theories, but I'm not sold on any of them. I'm not quite sure myself because it seems so heavy-handed, uh, starting with last week. And, uh, you know, Mara saying that they weren't on the same page. And then today saying I knew all along exactly what was going on. So that's just a bad job by him. And rather than embarrass your franchise quarterback and one of the icons of your organization, why did he fire him last week? After it was mishandled, step in and fire him. You would have saved the fan base all the angst. And believe me, the calls we get, people are 100% against the Giants. And just the way the Giants handle it, nobody is turning Elon Manning into Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. He hasn't had a good couple of years, but that's not the way you deal with a franchise icon. You just don't do it that way, and the Giants should be better than that, and they really mishandled this, and today doesn't make it any better. But, Michael, you know why they didn't do it last week, and this is Will Kane. The reason they didn't fire McAdoo last week is because Mara was in on this decision, right? Clearly, this wasn't just a McAdoo decision. It wasn't just a McAdoo and Reese decision. This was an organizational decision that included Mara. So the question isn't, the question is, does this now save face? Firing these two guys, putting Eli back in the starting lineup, 
Is Mara somehow washed clean now? No, I don't think he is, Will. I think that he further buried himself today by taking ownership of it. And Because if you remember toward the end of last week, uh, McAdoo was very stubborn till the end. And they said, uh, you know, it, it seemed like the owner is saying that he wasn't on the same page. And McAdoo said three separate times we were all on the same page. And today we find out that they were. Uh, I don't know how McAdoo saves face. Uh, I don't know how Mara saves face, though, because he saw how the fan base reacted. He saw how angrily they reacted. And... In a way, McAdoo was very heavy-handed on it, and the bottom line is once your fans react that way, and the Giants have always been very, very attuned to what their fans are saying, if you knew you were going to bang them, why not bang them last week and keep Eli's streak alive until the end of the season, and then you have time to sit down and have a, a rational conversation with them. But every which way they did it, it was wrong. And I'm looking forward to it because at 3 o'clock on our show, we're going to actually have John Mara on. And these are questions that have to be asked because this is an organization that has always prided itself on doing the quote-unquote right thing, and they did the wrong thing every step of the way. Yeah, and we play this out over and over again. Rosillo Show here again, Will Kane, Michael Kay joining us now, and you guys are so good with Dolan. I was just in my car after my show going back and listening to you sit with James Dolan, and that was the whole Ask Phil interview that went on forever, so I'll be looking forward to this one too. Thank you. Um, it just, as they're in tune with the fans, and I know certain franchises can almost be too in tune with the fans. Tennessee? Volunteers? <laughs> uh, do we... Like, am I to believe that like Mara's like, okay, we can bench him, and everybody collectively figures this out, and then they get destroyed by all the talk shows in New York, and then the national guys are going, like, did did Mara go, oh, wow, this is going really bad, and then for the PR spin, get rid of a front office and head coach that maybe he was ready to move on from, but, like, did they become a sacrifice in this whole thing to sort of insulate himself? Because that's how it feels, and I'm just not sure if that's right. I think that he was startled by the unanimity in the way everybody sided with Eli. Everybody, even former Giants that are employed by the Giants. Carl Banks does their games on radio, and he just tore into the organization. This guy gets a paycheck from the Giants. So when that happens, and then you hear rumors that a bunch of older Giants are going to show up on Sunday and all wear Eli Manning number 10 jerseys, I mean, what a a publicity nightmare. Just awful. So I, I think he's just trying to save some face and, and trying to you know, throw some chum to his fan base, because if you're going to fire him at the end of the year, I thought he should have fired him after the San Francisco 49er game. That was a disgrace. That team is not uh, better than the Giants, and they, they ran the Giants off the field. The Giants just weren't prepared to play. This is a guy who got a, a coaching job because he was, quote-unquote, an offensive genius. They never, as a head coach, scored 30 points for the guy. So it has been a mess last year. They won because of defense, and the guy just does not seem like he has great communication skills, which means he wouldn't get the Yankee job either. <laughs> Michael, uh, <laughs> um while we all agree that this was just a complete public relations disaster and mishandling by the Giants, I think we have to kind of assume that they were at least honest last week. In other words, they were benching Eli because they truly did want to see what they had behind him. They truly did want to look at their future and what it would look like past Eli. But is that what they're going to do now? So now that we're backtracking, I'm wondering, are we backtracking on the idea also that Eli is not the quarterback of the New York Giants next year? I think it all depends on the GM and the coach. I mean, if you bring in a veteran coach, he probably wants a veteran quarterback at least for next year, and maybe you could articulate that to Eli. But I'll tell you guys, I don't know how you don't start him on Sunday. 
uh, just to stop Giant fans from selling their tickets to Cowboy fans. I mean, the, the place will be an absolute mess. So I think that Spagnolo has to start Eli on Sunday. And, and then maybe with a little bit of a different plan, at some point, if we're down by two touchdowns or if we're up by two touchdowns, we're going to call on Davis Webb and see what he has. But I think the thing that really angered Giant fans the most, Geno Smith. I mean, we know what Geno Smith is. No disrespect meant, but you don't really have to see what Geno Smith's about. We saw him every single game for the Jets, and you also saw him during practice. The guy that you want to see in the quick-paced nature of the NFL is Davis Webb. See if he could be your quarterback, and then maybe you could spend that high draft pick on something else. But I think on Sunday it has to be Eli, and I think there's still a chance that Eli comes back because he really does love playing for the Giants. His father, Archie, said that several places last week that it's not just about playing football for Eli, it's about playing for the Giants. Can I check with you one last thought here, Michael, before we let you go? You actually alluded to it, but how do you feel about Aaron Boone being uh, the Yankees manager? Well, I've got to, uh, you know, full disclosure, I I think the world of the guy, I'm friends with the guy, Uh, I think that anybody that's ever worked with him, and I've had the opportunity to do so, they love the guy, his communication skills are great, but anybody who will tell you that they guarantee he's going to be a great manager, that's, that's a fib. I mean, it's a great leap of faith by Brian Cashman. It's a humongous gamble. And I said this uh, on, on Scott Van Pelt on Friday. You got a guy who you just got his driver's license, and you tossed him the keys to a Lamborghini. The Yankees are really, really good, and they're expected to do really, really well. And I think you know Aaron's going to be able to communicate with the players, communicate with the front office, be great with the media. But how does he, how does he function in the hot cauldron of the dugout in the eighth inning when he's got to make a move? Only time will tell. Sometimes you bet on a guy's check marks, and I think he's got so many check marks on the positive side that you just hope that the managing comes easily to him. And I know I'm rooting that way, but, again, it's a gamble, and nobody really knows. Hey, great job. Thanks. Looking forward to this afternoon, all right? All right. Thanks so much, guys. That's Michael K. the Michael K. Show, ESPN New York, 98.7, every day, 3 to 7 Eastern. Priscilla Show brought to you by Upside.com, giving all business travelers the gift of a better travel experience this holiday season upside.com let's do a bunch of football do some nfl stuff big win by the seahawks what's that mean eagles and nbd the rest of this eli stuff and maybe a little college ball coming up next hour we got tim hasselbeck with will kane espn radio an interesting creature inhabits the flat arid plains of many an automobile dashboard the bobblehead it's most agreeable and will nod along to anything despite having no brain function But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. The four set, that's where we led the show, led hour number two. We'll do it one more time before the show is out with Will Kane today, but not right now. Because we still have NFL stuff. Eli Manning, what's his status now? The Ben McAdoo out as head coach. Jerry Reese out as general manager. That breaking right before the show started today. The Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. Amazon has everything you need for the perfect holiday. Get together from whining to dining to reclining together afterwards. Visit Amazon today. What's up, Tim? Hey, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. John Mara, Giants president and CEO, just spoke. He was asked a bunch of questions and specifically the response by the Giants to the public outcry, how much of an influence? Really had no effect whatsoever. Two and ten is two and ten. And um, uh, obviously uh, the public reaction to that was not pleasant, but that really didn't have any effect on our decision. Go. Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
I don't think I've ever heard anybody say like, hey, look, we fired him because we knew all our fans hated him, right? You know what I mean? Like that's, no one's going to, to say that. You know, I think John Mayer did acknowledge that um, he was very aware with some home games on the horizon what the reaction was going to be. Um, and, you know, I heard some people saying that even in Oakland, there were some Giants fans in Oakland, you know, cheering like, you know, that's our quarterback, you know, like like doing that type of stuff. And so I think he just was, he was aware of that. I don't think he fired Ben McAdoo because fans didn't like him. I think he fired Ben McAdoo because they were 2-10, and 10, not getting any better, and and everyone was done with him. Let me ask you guys a hypothetical. Ryan, you've used this term several times, don't feed the puppy, right? You've talked about when we're on our live shows, our yeah. remotes. We'll talk to people like during a segment every now and then. Be like, wait, what was that? And I go, oh no, the audience, the live audience, right? Right. Don't feed the puppy because then the puppy keeps coming back, right? Don't feed the stray cat. We've never been at a. I don't know. We've ever been at a higher point for fan power in sports between the University of Tennessee and the New York Giants. Like fan revolt has driven some big decisions. I think we might have just fed the puppy. I mean. You're going to see the tail wagging the dog, I would imagine, on many situations in sports. I think it already is. Um, and I think part of the reason for it is social media. You know, before, let's say you're somebody that works in the front office of a uh, of an NFL organization. You can't sit there and have ESPN on all day, you know, watching SportsCenter and, oh, Chris Mortensen's got an update and – you you can't do that. It, it doesn't. It used to work that way. If you wanted to see what was going on there or what people were saying, you had to do that. Then there were um, you know these sites that would pop up with message boards, and so then all of a sudden people started like reading message boards, and it was like okay, I'm digging down these rabbit holes from message boards. Well, now all you need to do is just open up your phone and you have every media member that that is any of in, any interest to you. And then they are retweeting various things and responding to various people. And so now in your pocket, you have every loud, angry fan in your ear. Mm-hmm. That never used to be the case. And so if we're going to sit here and act like, listen, Roger Goodell's wife had a, was responding to critics. Shadow if we, account. If we don't think that there are... If we don't, if you don't think that like the family members and members of, of these organizations are diving into rabbit holes, you've lost your minds. Of course they have. Tim Hasselbeck's sitting here. So here's the thing. They can pretend it's up to Spagnolo, but Eli's starting this week. Yeah, and not here's what John Mara like, yeah, John, John, John said. Um, and look, having been there and know how they are, they let the coach coach there. I mean, he doesn't get in. He's not like a get in the way of football uh get in the way of the football coaches and them doing their jobs. And I will say that his interactions, you know, when you traveled as a team or, or any of that stuff, um, he would spend a lot of time with Jerry Reese, but it w- he was not spending a ton of time with the coaching staff. That just is, that's not how they operate. I think that his assessment of his relationship in terms of dealing with the GM and then the coach deals with uh, the GM deals with the coach and then the coach coaches, um, I feel like they've empowered their coaches to coach throughout, you know, the various head coaches they've had. Um, Spags is going to start Eli if it's his choice because of his history with Eli. And 
he appreciates Eli much like guys that are teammates of Eli's in the past appreciate him because he was a quarterback when they go and win that first Super Bowl at New York. All right, I don't have enough time for this because we're going to have you come back over here, but I, I'm still confused. Like, could McAdoo... Why do it? No, did McAdoo then do it on his own? No, come on. So then he didn't do it on his own. Then how can Mara get up there and go... No, no, he said. He said, ultimately, I signed off on it, and it's on me. You want to blame somebody, but blame But they've me. contradicted themselves on that. I think what he's saying is that... Well, we can get into the next block. Right. That's what they call it. Team Answers. Mm-hmm. Answers. That and do you think you could do... What's the over-under in pull-ups for Tim Hasebeck right now? Ooh, okay. 15 is the good over-under. Just... Okay. Okay. Pull-ups next. Priscilla Show, ESPN Radio.